It's the doc and the deacon, stethoscope and hope, talking everything from poop to the pope. One believing in spiritual miracles, the other believes in movement bowels that are irritable. Two dads, more like two brothers, and they breaking bread like the Last Supper. This show won't get negative feedback, that be like the deacon prescribing a Z-Pack. So don't get it twisted like a Philly pretzel, Foles already told y'all that Philly special. Take notes from the knowledge they're teaching, pay attention, it's the doc and the deacon speaking. Welcome to Doc and the Deacon, a podcast about two dads, one of us believing in the power of science, one of us believing in the power of Jesus, but both of us believing in the power of ice-cold beer. Ah, so it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. Won't you be my friend? Won't you be my... Won't you be... My neighbor? Yeah. So, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the biggest commandments in the Bible is love thy neighbor. Yeah. As you love thyself, right? Uh, you know that one, don't you? I do. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Isn't that like the golden rule to kind of like treat people the way you treat yourself? It is the golden rule. And I think it really shows itself up in what God says in the beginning when he says, and he made them and formed them in his image. Okay. Do you know? Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, God, the Bible says that God made man... In his own image. All I know is right now. Yeah. As the doc. Yeah. With my ponytail flowing, I kind of look a little bit like Jesus when I don't shave. So I'm in his image. You are. Yeah. Definitely. You, yeah. Got, you got a flow going. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see those religious ladies smiling at me. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's an interesting thing to talk about. When you think about man being made in the image of God. Like, as a doctor... Do you have someone that you look up to and say, all doctors were based on this one doctor? No, I mean, Hippocrates is, you know, the father of modern medicine. Right. But I get what you're trying to say. It's an interesting concept. Do we have a, do us doctors have a, a God complex, even if we're not religious? Yeah, maybe well, we do. I didn't say <laughs> But I, I do think if you were to have a God complex as a doctor. Yeah. I mean, you know, is it the neurosurgeon or is it a cardiothoracic surgeon? And so today on the show, to discuss God Complex, we have uh, my friend and colleague, Dr. Ray Singer, a cardiothoracic surgeon. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. It's great. Do we know what a cardiothoracic surgeon does? I mean, I I know, but uh, he can tell you. Okay. So we perform surgeries on the heart and the lungs and other structures in the chest. So where does cardiothoracic even come into that? I didn't hear you say the word cardio or thoracic. Well, cardio means, <laughs> cardio means heart. Okay. Thoracic means chest. All right. And surgeon means surgeon. Oh. <laughs> so, so I have a job where I'm trying to limit people's risk of dying. Yeah. He actually has a job where at times he goes in and saves someone's life. How does it feel to like do something or do a surgery that saves somebody's life? And recently... Have you saved someone's life? It's, it's crazy. Just only three this week so far. Wow. Um, I've done over 7,500 heart and lung operations. 7,500 heart and lung operations. I've been doing operations. this for almost 30 years. And, uh, you know, sadly can't say I've saved every single one, but nevertheless, we certainly have saved uh, many. I think there's got to be a weird thing where as a doctor, you are... 
at your job doing things. And then sometimes you go home and just still have to take out the trash. So like, do you ever have a day where like somebody's aorta was dissecting, you go in, sew it back together and then realize you have to go home and do your laundry. So you have clean scrubs. Yeah. I mean, you know, you go home and the trash is still waiting and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a crazy life. And, uh, you know, you get called in at three in the morning, there's a patient with any work dissection and you know, the next day, you're helping your kid with uh, her homework. It's 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 a crazy life. Yeah. How do you, how do you go about performing surgery that has such high pressure in realizing you are helping save lives and not develop a god complex? How how do you try to find balance there? It's a it's a tough balance. You know, when you get in the operating room, you're the captain of the ship, and uh, you're leading a team. And particularly in heart surgery, it's a large team because. A lot of people don't realize there could be six, seven, eight people managing that patient from one or two anesthesia personnel to perfusion personnel, the nurses, circulating nurses, your physician assistants. It's a large crew and people are looking to you. And so when things go well, they're looking at you. And when things get a little scary, they're looking at you as well. It's it's a very challenging moments. Well, and I would imagine there's there's, uh, you know, a place where you have to be so confident that you will move forward at all costs, but also so flexible that you're willing to pay attention to what's happening in that current moment to be able to adjust as things may happen in surgery if they do go wrong, right? You have to be unbelievably in the moment. Uh, I always say there's probably about 10,000 turns of the wrist during any one operation. And if you think about it, and I try not to, is that any one wrong turn of the wrist could be the difference between life and death. It's that crazy. And when moments come when things get a little crazy, where maybe the tissue isn't very strong, you can't look at that as a moment of panic. You have to look at that as, okay, we're going to win here. Now let's get the team together and this is how we're going to do it. So it is a moment where they're looking at you as the captain of the ship and you got to get it right. There's no failure. How many audibles? So, you know, the, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, had a, a quarterback who often did not do what the coach had planned, right? He called his own audibles even against like if he didn't think a play was going to work, he just didn't run it. How many audibles? Do you think you call in any given surgery? Well, he's the coach you, and he's the coach and the quarterback. How many? Well, you know, how many can you plan for? Because you talked about like, what if the tissue isn't strong enough? Like, what are there? Are there common things that you plan for going into surgery? I love the analogy, Deacon. I'll tell you why. Because I often will say to patients that one of the advantages I have is being kind of like an you know a, a seasoned quarterback. I've been around the league a few times. Oh, you're like Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> you know you you, you, <laughs> you know you talk you talk when you listen to uh, quarterbacks, great yeah. quarterbacks. Uh, you know um, you know the Mannings of the world and what have you. They'll often say that in moments where there's you know pressure, they slow the game down. Yes, and. When I'm in that operating room and I see that things aren't right, I have to slow the game down. I've got to see the field. I have to see the end zone. I have to picture what that touchdown is going to look like. And I've got to command my team as to how to make the right plays and stay focused on the, on the task at hand. Yeah, that's is awesome. It, is it true 
that when you're doing heart surgery on one of my patients, you do just a little bit better of a job than if it was a random patient. Well, I get nervous uh, when it's your patient's doc because uh, I'm one of your patients too. So uh, I don't want to upset my doctor. But, uh, you know, really, honestly, every single patient, uh, you know, is God's children. And, uh, and whether... Amen. Yeah, amen. Oh. And I can tell you that um, in many ways... When it's a patient who maybe has a medical background, it's, it's a little bit easier because they understand. But we treat the patients the same, whether they're someone who's impoverished or someone that is uneducated or someone who's really been, you know, uh, struggling with dependencies and things like that. We treat them all the same. And, uh, I mean, that's where I think um, the, the success. You respect all of them. Just like at a quarterback, you got to respect every defense. You think you're playing a team? Uh, that uh, you, you can win easily. No, you gotta, you got to respect every defense, every call, every moment, every turn of the wrist. It reminds me of a Seinfeld episode when Jerry dated a doctor. Did, have you seen that one? I, I, a long time ago. Yeah, Jerry dated a doctor. Now, she was a, a doctor of dermatology. Oh, sure. And, uh, and they went out to dinner, and she talked about how she had been saving lives. And, Dermatologist said Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they went out to dinner that night, and she saw somebody, and... Uh, the, the person said, oh, she saved my life. And Jerry found out she was a dermatologist. He's like, you're Dr. Pimple Popper MD. <laughs> and then he found out that, um, that she had saved many people with skin cancer yeah. and melanoma. And sure. so, uh, so he felt awful after that. But she had quite the God complex as she yeah, made I'll, her way around. I'll tell you, in situations where if I'm taking care of someone that has a complex history, or I'm taking care of a cardiothoracic surgeon, every doctor is a little bit more nervous. And the key is you go back to basics. You go back to how you learned things from the beginning and you don't cut corners and go, hey, what do you want? Honestly, I go more back to basics for physicians and highly educated people because I realize that I'm just not gonna miss anything. You just try to go from the beginning, get a good history, right. and you try to stick to the training you learned where, and sometimes you could walk and think, hey, I know what this is, this is that. And, and that's not what even other physicians want. They want you to go through the process and make sure you're not missing anything. That's right. And let's be honest, doctors all have different specialties. And it's amazing how much other doctors know that aren't in your wheelhouse. Yeah. And you need someone else to be able to, you know, go, hey, what are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on that? Even if you have a ton of information, when you apply it to yourself, it's just different, right? Thinking about my own health and treating myself is a bad idea. When I run it by someone else, they go, no, 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 Let, let's go slow down here. Let's do this. Well, faith is the same way, right? Like if I'm praying for somebody who knows a lot about the Bible, I got to dig deep to give them. You, you can't, can't give them John three sixteen. Yeah, you can't give them the whole, you know, you know, God has put works for the good of all that love him, right? They're like, I've heard that, been there, done that deacon, right? So, you know, you have to go, you have to dig far and wide to find something like... Uh, you can't go John, Luke, Mark. What are the four? Uh, John, Luke, <laughs> Mark, and... Uh, uh... Yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay. So, Deacon, the, the golden rule. Yeah. Treat everybody as if you were treating yourself, right? That's How right. Like, be treat yourself. So, here's a little secret to success in medicine. I often have said... I don't come from a family of doctors. I come from a family of patients. Mm. Uh, my father never finished 10th grade. was the smartest guy I ever knew. Between my two parents, believe it or not, I have five cancers and heart disease. So I have about three more weeks to live. But besides that, 
Um, the way I treat patients is really very simple, and it's kind of a religious thing. And that you is know, if that, you die soon, that throws off my vibe. I'm supposed to keep people alive, <laughs> right? right? Come on, now, right? Well, you're supposed Come to keep on, me alive. Man. You know, that's why I go, I go, to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I go to the best doc. But uh, but I, I, it's a very simple rule, and I treat every patient as if they were my own family. And it sounds, you know, trite or whatever. No, it's really sincere, and 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 it's a kind of a religious thing because you think about it you know god asks us to treat others as we wish to be treated ourselves yeah so when i get called at 3 in the morning i don't imagine that i'm being annoyed by some you know nurse who's got a concern i look at it as okay that's my mother that she's calling about and you know what i'm going to answer as if this nurse was concerned about my mother and that's how I've lived my 30 years in practice. And I'll tell you, it, it makes medicine very simple when you put it in those, in those ways. And, and the, the way the doc was saying, whether you have a cardiothoracic surgeon come to your office, and I just went for my physical exam a week ago with the doc, or whether you're not, you, know, you have somebody, I don't know, who you know, is working the line somewhere, you treat them the same, you explain things, you start at the basics and you go through it. That way you don't miss anything and you treat every patient the same as if you would want to be treated. Yeah. No, I think, you know... I think in uh, in the church, it's much the same, right? It's it's about the simplistic view of, uh, listen, God loves you. He wants the best for you, and whatever challenge you're going through in life, uh, there's. Do, do you feel like rabbis versus priests versus deacons? Do do is there more of a God complex than others? I've been to your church. And, you know, the guy's good out there, but he acts like he knows everything. And everything he knows is based in the Bible. And he, he goes, hey, I read this. And then he breaks it down. This that's is right. what I think from the Bible. And I went and be like, well, that's an interesting verse. But that's your take, Mr. Uh, you know, do we think religious people have more of a God complex than doctors? Well, listen, I think it's, it's certainly possible that you have people bringing you their most. We've talked about how, how similar, you know, they call Jesus the physician. Right, they talked about him as the one who healed and the one who cared for people, not just physically, but their their soul and their 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 health in other ways. You know, you had uh, some really great kings throughout the Bible who served God, and then you had like those who put themselves in the place of God, who created like you know. There's one of the uh, one of the commandments is thou shalt serve no false gods. Right. And so uh, oftentimes you found uh, that when when people served God, that some of the kings would feel um, insecure about it. And so they would say, hey, no, 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 we don't want to do that. So they would create these false gods and and put them in places and have people worship them because it was easier to see somebody worship something that you created and, and get some pride and some pleasure from that than it is to have people serve this being that no one can see. And so how about God in the operating room? So people will say to me, you're, 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 you tell me. other than the heart surgeon, yeah. which we, we'll get to is the, is the God. No, seriously, you know, you're in the operating room and you see this magnificent organ, the heart. Yeah. And people say to me, do you believe in God when you see the heart? I mean, and some people say, well, as a scientist, I, you know, I, I can't believe in God. I have the exact opposite response. I see that magnificent organ every day, and I say, because I'm a scientist, because yeah. I'm a physician, I believe in God. Because there's no way that this just happened. Well, so he and I often talk about that. And I always say, I, 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 I look at science as a, the, as a wonderful, beautiful gift from God. Where, where he says, 
you know, he says, hey, I, I look at science and, and think that it was here. And I say, oh, no, I, I believe in science. It's proof, that science, it's proof that God exists. To me, it's, the, it is it's absolutely proof. And I can tell you the other thing about, you know, being a successful. Can we have this guy on more often? <laughs> <laughs> the the a, docs and the deacon. Well, do, you, yeah. do, you know, do you know what, do you know what the doc uh, uh, said to God when he woke up? Okay, God, you can go back and rest. I am awake now. <laughs> <laughs> so this, uh, this, this, this doctor, this heart surgeon dies. He goes to heaven, Dr. Yeah. Dr. Smith. And he gets there. There's a long line. And he says, look, I'm a cardiothoracic surgeon. I'm going to go to the front line. I'm going to talk to St. Peter. He talks to St. Peter. And he says, look, St. Peter, I'm Dr. Smith. I'm a heart surgeon. I'd like to get right into heaven. It's like a fast pass. It's Disney. a fast pass. Yeah. So he says, but look, he says, listen, Dr. Smith, we appreciate you. are a heart surgeon. You've 7,500 cases. You're a great surgeon. You're, you know, all that stuff. But up in heaven, we're all the same. You've got to go to the end of the line. So he goes to the end of the line. All of a sudden, this guy walks in with a white coat, white hair, stethoscope. He walks right to the front line. goes into heaven. So Dr. Smith goes up and says, wait a minute. I thought you said everybody up here is the, you know, the same. He says, oh, don't worry. That's God. He thinks he's a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. You know what the problem is? There's no cure for the God complex. There's no cure for the God syndrome. And I think the question is, is there a medical diagnosis? Yes, yes. But I think, what if, what if God was one of us? Oh, that's an interesting thought. As the song said. The song. The song. What if God was one of us? I got to get the lyrics. What if God was one of us? Just a slob like one of us. Just a stranger on a bus. Trying to make his way home. <laughs> so, that's fantastic. Yeah, but you know, he was really. one of us. That's why he said You had to make me go first. I was completely off key. And my name is Singer. <laughs> that's I mean, right. that's that ridiculous, you know? That is true. I'm supposed to be the singer here. You know I may be the God here, but I'm also the singer. And uh, I, I blew the first verse. You know what the best part is? <laughs> now that you said, I was going to edit it out. But now that you said you weren't, let's do it again. Try, try one more time. Let, let's right. hear. Let's hear. Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> You've been hearing. You, you, you have heard that docs sing terribly for years now let's hear another doc <laughs> what if god was one of us just a slob like one of us just a stranger on a bus trying to make his way home that was pretty good that yeah, wasn't yeah. bad so wasn't yeah bad. yeah here, here. Of, of course god complex has a medical condition and from the dsm-5 it is most similar with narcissistic personality disorder Okay. And so that is a pervasive pattern in grandiosity consistent with the need for admiration, lack of empathy. And there are actually nine criteria that we're going to run through real quick. Oh, let's talk about it. And we're going to try to figure out, does the deacon have a God complex? Listen, I was just going to say, if my wife is listening, she's going to slow this thing down, put it over and wind, and she's probably going to say, hey, hey, hey. Flip it around Listen versus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Missy so, Elliott. So yeah. number one, a grandiose self uh, a grandiose sense of self-importance. I okay. mean, he calls himself the deacon. That's true. You know why? Because Doc and uh, the Doc Peter, and Doc and this guy from the church down the street just didn't sound that. No, good. no, no, no. Alliteration really yeah. sells. Uh, so, what do we think there? I'll give you one. Uh, uh, what's the What's the scale? One to what? One or zero. Like, oh, are we giving zero. you a point? You need five of nine points to qualify. All right, I'll take a one then. Okay, okay. Um, a preoccupation with success, power, brilliance, and beauty. Hmm. Well, I don't have a preoccupation for it. I was just born that way. That's, <laughs> that's, 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 what are you talking about? That's not fair. I guess that's two. Okay, okay number three. 
a belief that he or she is uh, special and unique. And this is an interesting one where others may not understand where you're even coming from. So mm-hmm. if, if people don't understand you, you go, hey, there's, there's problems with others. And this is one, as I was reading it through, and I was like, oh, I, maybe I don't have this, right? Like, because I understand when other people don't get me. Sometimes yeah. I realize that maybe I'm too much for some people. Yeah. And like sometimes people like just want to chill. Yeah. And I, you know, and, and I chill sometimes, you know, but uh, sometimes they're like, oh, I know it's Friday night, but the doc looks like he's ready to party. So do you think you have number three? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think uh, you I have think, some self awareness. I think I know when to change my hat from the party okay. hat to the like. Okay. But, you, but you know, earlier we talked about, you know, what's it like to do when you work to section at three in the morning and then take the trash out the next day? And one of the problems with highly demanding when you're in charge type of situations is that. Everything has to be perfect. I can't. There's no such thing as failure in yeah. the operating room. So failure then, equals, so then you go to a restaurant the next night, and you expect everyone to live up to your standards. Oh, do you complain about things it, at the restaurant? My, my so does the say, deacon. My kids say Raymond is complaining. Oh yeah, my they're gonna, gosh, they're going to crack up later. I can't go to dinner with either of you. You know because you know you you are so demanding in the operating room. Everything has to be perfect. And if someone isn't living up to your standard, it, it makes for difficult relationships, it, it, bad moments. Sure. Know? That's, why Raymond is That's his way of saying, I better call him back right away. Get those refills done. <laughs> right, right. So I text my doctor right away. <laughs> Where's my refills, doc? <laughs> right? uh, so we'll give Raymond a point for number three. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, excuse me, I'm going to have to send this McCallum back. I think you just poured me Jack. I think you just poured me Jack. Number four. What is this, Moss? <laughs> Tenure? Oh, my God. Nothing less than 25 years. <laughs> Number four, an excessive need for admiration. Oh, yeah. And these people often... They're on Facebook all the time. Or they make a podcast about their lives. Yeah, exactly. Podcast, Facebook. I hate those people. We're not doing so well right now. <laughs> No, we're no, struggling we're, right now. We, we need psychiatrists. Number five, a <laughs> sense of entitlement. Oh, yeah. I unfortunately yeah. think that rules were made for others. <laughs> right, I mean... And you can ask my wife. I do. And But you want to know the problem with that is that oftentimes I've been able to circumvent situations and circumstances where, you know, we show up at a place that we're not supposed to be. And I said, that's okay, babe, I'll work it out. And then the next thing you know, we work, we work our way in. And she says... But do you feel entitled? And I said, no, I just went and asked for it, right? I just went up and said, hey, we want to be here. What do we need it's to do? It's interesting because I'm meek in those situations. But yes. you definitely are able to make things happen. There are times where we go somewhere. I was like, this isn't going to happen. I would go, uh-oh, the deacon's on it. And like a second later, they're moving somebody out of the way and clearing a table for us. Yeah. And I was like, are you threatening hell? Like, are you, are you, are you, are you, are you, are you praying <laughs> to these people? How do you make it happen? Honey. Yeah, more bees with honey, man. Okay, number six. And this is one where I feel a little bit better about. Okay, good. Interpersonality exploitive behavior, where you're taking advantage of others. And I will tell you, from knowing Dr. Ray Singer, is one of the things that he does, and the deacon, is give others a lot of credit. Yeah. And show positivity yeah. to the team and thank others. And, and I think this is where it changes from narcissistic personality disorder to people that, you know, are to, in high-level jobs and that are, uh, you know, that are extroverts. But if you know anything about Dr. Singer or the deacon is they are quick to give positivity to, I see his nurses, his, his colleagues, you know, his friends, um, um, his family doctor. And so when you realize how great some of the other people are and you're not taking yep. advantage of them, I think that makes it less that we have this disorder that we in the past five minutes have diagnosed ourselves. There are a lot of leaders who are narcissists. 
uh, yeah. we know some recently, uh, who were president. But the fact is that uh, true leaders... You're talking about John Middleton? <laughs> <laughs> Philly's president? He's a little... Listen, think about it. But he's worked... He's got now... He's got Dave Dombrowski. I like that he brought Girardi. I mean, to, be a, to be a true leader, you have to be somewhat narcissist. But, but to be a successful leader, you have to give credit to others. 7,500 cases. And I've said over and over and over again that whatever success I may have, it's always been because of the team that surrounds me. Yeah. And I mean that so sincerely. And right now, honestly, at Einstein Montgomery, I have the single best, I've been in this business for 30 years. We yeah. call it a business, a love, a science, and I have the single best team I've ever had. And you nurture that team. And it's sort of like Branson with Virgin you know, Atlantic, and he would always say, people talk about taking care of the customers. I don't take care of the customers, he would say. Branson says, I take care of the employees, and then because They'll- of that, they take care of the customers. Right. I take care of my team, they take care of my patients. And that's the philosophy I've had. Is that narcissist? No, I think it's being a good leader. Absolutely. I'm going to tell you, though, I have struggled in the past few years with when employees leave. I actually grew too much of an attachment to oh, some of my tough. medical it's assistants tough. and colleagues. It's tough. And now I'm, I'm actually having to shift how I look at some of the, my fellow oh, like employees because I've had my heart broken a few times. Yeah. And honestly, right now I've got a great team. But... You know, uh, it, it's tough because it's, it's I realize. It's just like, but remember, you think about your kids and the relationships they're going to form throughout their life. And you never want them to stop looking at everyone like it's an opportunity to make an impact on their life. And so when you hold yourself back from the ability to really engage and connect with people that you're going to work with every day and that you need to be uh, perform at their best and that who are going to need you to be empathetic with them and help push them and challenge them and coach them and celebrate them and all of those things. You can't disengage to the point at which you're fearful of getting your heart broken because then you can never truly really accomplish those things that you want to accomplish as a team, right? I, I mean, I, I agree with you completely, but my feelings have been hurt and absolutely. lack of empathy is number seven. Yeah. You brought mm-hmm. it right up and I, and I love it. And, and, and I think what we're learning here is that you can want to do great. You can want self-admiration, but if you're caring about others mm-hmm. and that you care about the team you work with and if you appreciate them, and I love the deacon and I listen, I'm going to I'm going to say this real quick. We just had two very similar situations happen that, that went two very different ways. Bryce Harper came into town, made a ton of money, right? Didn't perform well. His first year didn't 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 perform to the standard, right? Carson Wentz came in town, made a ton of money, didn't perform to the standard. The, what was the difference? Bryce Harper engaged right. the fan base. He yep. became Philadelphia. I'm wearing a John sweatshirt right now, right? Because I embraced him because of his willingness to put it all out there. Carson Wentz kept the wall up. And, and he's a guy who loves Jesus. And I wanted to uh, buy into everything he had. His AL1 foundation. I love the idea. I loved so many things about what he could have done. But he didn't allow the city... To really get to know him. And you know, in Philly, we're just not going to have that, right? I mean, so so the ability to engage with people and to really become that empathy and, you know, right. really takes you from being a narcissist 
to being someone who's just a, a leader. Co- yes. So now the doc, because I know the doc well, he's my doc. Yeah. Is, he's listing all the things that list us as narcissists. But he, he's not going to finish with that. He's going to finish with how do we cure this? And what, Deacon, you're, you're, you're speaking to is what's the solution? Yeah. How, how do you balance it? And the balance is, is what I call situational awareness. So mm. we're talking about emotional intelligence. The first thing is self-awareness. But it's also awareness of others. Okay. So if you're the coach of a team, which you are, uh, you have to know which players get a pat on the back and which players you got to sort of, you know, yell at a little. And same with your own team. You know, you have to be aware of other people. What are they bringing to the operating room that day? Um, are, are they stressed out? Are they tired? I mean, what's going on in their lives? And so a true leader has not just self-awareness of their own emotional intelligence, but how about the awareness of others? Ooh, it's like the love languages. You know the four love languages? No, it's five. like you need to know five love. You need to know your employee's love there's languages. Five. Sure, there's yeah, five. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there are different like love languages. And Teach me. You need to know. So like we've talked about, I, uh, you know, my wife's love language is quality time. She wants me to spend time with her. One is acts of service. Yeah. One is admiration. One is gifts. One is gifts. Uh, another oh, one is respect. affirmation. Oh, no, affirmation. No, one, one is, is touch. Yeah. So my <laughs> wife wants quality time. I, I give my love in acts of service. So I just want to do, do, do things for her. So I'll clean the yard, do this, do that. And I'm, I feel like I'm doing things for her that she should love. But she receives love. When I spend time with her and focus on her, so it's like me paying with foreign currency, and I'm trying to take it to the bank, and she's like, "It don't cash, homie." So you have to, you, I have to be emotionally aware enough to say, "Okay, although I want right. to do, for I can't her, buy new shoes with Bitcoin." That's right. I gotta be able to back. <laughs> it's all off. about situation where you know what. Situational awareness in the operating room, you got to be listening with your ears to the beeping on the heartbeat if it's going too fast, too slow, whether the blood pressure is too high or too low. Whether you know your scrub nurse is, is watching the field or not, whether you're focused the on... The field is the place where you're operating? Is that what they yeah. call the field? I mean, there's yeah. so many analogies to sports. Think about it. I go into a locker room. I get changed into a uniform. I go yeah. up into the field. There's lights, and I need to perform, and I have to... But the difference is there's no Carson Wentz holding the ball too long, okay? There's no Bryce Harper batting three three three, which would be a great batting. I have to bat 1,000. That's yeah. what's expected of me, and that... Uh, you know, is, is a different ball. Which sounds like a lot of pressure. Which sounds pressure. like a lot of pressure. For narcissistic personalities. Imagine if you were actually God. Think about the pressure on him. <laughs> I mean, we just had a pandemic. He's not batting a thousand, right? <laughs> right? Good point. Number eight, envy or belief that others are envious. Number nine, demonstration of arrogance. So I actually think that we were hitting a lot of them. And then recently we went from being having the uh, personality d- disorder to not having it. The good thing is, there are ways we can fix this. I think that one thing you realize is if you're discussing and being thoughtful on your own narcissism, you don't have narcissistic personality disorder because exactly personality right. disorders are disconnected right. from actually how they're feeling. I realize at times, hey, how much do I post about uh, what I'm doing that I'm interested in? How much are people interested in, right. in actually what I'm doing and, and trying to come back? So let's talk through some things that we can do. Well, and, I, and, I, and, I, and probably as a physician, how many, uh, how many times of your own agenda are you putting on a patient because it's something you just read or something that is important to you rather than really focusing on what that person's specific situation, health, 
and even uh, acuity might be to be able to understand what the point you're trying to get across and execute your plan. Oh, I was talking about plan. this. You are 100% right. I was talking about this with my medical student today. Now is a family physician. How they judge your quality is not based on your ability to make great diagnosis. It's not on your, like, hey, I noticed this, I caught this murmur early, or I picked up this autoimmune condition. It's, are you hitting all these quality markers when it comes to, you know, your diabetes levels and colon cancer screening and things like that? So someone can come in with a sprained ankle. Yeah. And I spend like five minutes on the sprained ankle and 15 minutes going, hey, I need to change your medicine for your sugar. Are you going to get your colonoscopy? You know why because- you got a sprained ankle? Because you gain a little bit of weight. You know why you gain a little bit of weight? Because your sugar's high. Why is your sugar high? Let's check out your diabetes. You know, and go through all of those things. But, you know, it's obvious as a patient when you go somewhere, and I find it more often, uh, you know where it's really evident is uh, if, if you take an animal to the vet. And many times... They will use that visit to push an agenda for whatever it is that's happening in the, in the animal field. Um, Dr. Drum is also my physician. So I know that I have seen him uh, be really focused on whatever I came in for. But he also asked questions about what is relevant to my overall health. So let me ask you this, Deacon. Would you say God is perfect? Yeah. Okay, God is perfect, right? As humans, we're not. Yeah. Okay, so when I, here's what I think the ultimate solution is. Um, you have to be a little bit narcissist to, to stop somebody's heart, fix yeah. it, and start again. Sure. Okay, fair enough. But you know what? I'm not perfect. I've had patients die, and yeah. they haunt me. I can, yeah. I can picture every mm. patient that I've lost in my life. Mm. I can picture their family members, and it's unbelievable. Now, here's the thing. I'm not perfect in the operating room. Sometimes I get excited. Sometimes I get upset. I'd like to think that over the years with maturity and self-awareness. Do you ever throw a scalpel? I have not done that. (laughs) But I've I've used the F-bomb more than I'd like. And I've gotten upset at times. But here's the difference. This self-awareness. When I get done an imperfect situation, whether it's because I got heated or not, which most of the times when I get heated are ridiculous because I fix the problem anyhow. Most surgeons know how to fix the problem. If you spend less time getting upset and just fix the problem. But here's the difference. A person who's really going to be successful recognizes that they were less than perfect. And when the case is done, I go up to every individual in that room and I say something that not every narcissistic heart surgeon says. I say, I'm sorry, and I will do better. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, and I say that to the families. And, um, you know, that's the difference between someone who's just purely have this God image and someone who is working at God's hands knowing that he or she is not perfect. But in those moments when we do not have perfection, we say, I'm sorry, I will do better next time. That's the solution. You know, the toughest part uh, with the church and the faith community is that we serve a perfect God, but ultimately it's run by people. And they have such an impact on everyone's experience. So although God is perfect, the people that are serving him are not. And oftentimes people get hurt in the church uh, because of people. And it is so, um, those, that can be devastating to mm-hmm. someone's ability to embrace faith or even go down a road where they, it impacts their ability to continue with faith or have a, you know, a relationship with mm-hmm. God. And we, mm-hmm. we talk often about that relationship. And it's the same thing, you know, you, you, if, if you're willing to say, hey, listen, I, I believe in God's perfection. I, I know it isn't executed perfectly on earth. And, and I look for answers the best that I can. And what I can tell you is we're all going to be hurt at some point. We're all going to fail. Mm-hmm. And uh, how we deal with those moments 
are ultimately what's going to lend us to to whether we're going to go down a road of of complete isolation, whether we're going to engage with others, or even go down a destructive path where we just push people completely away. So one way to tie this all together, you know, the decisions I make today, 30 years in, 7,500 cases later, are totally different than the decisions I made when I started. We think when we start, we know it all, we get great training, we get great residencies and this and that, but the thing that has changed more than anything else is being more humble in front of God. Mm. Now that I've done 7,500 cases, I am more willing to say, you know what? I don't know everything. I can't fix everything. I hope God will help me. And I will be as focused as I can, as generous as I can, and give back to God as much as I can and pray for the best. And that's the difference between someone who is maybe 35 years old and just out of residency and someone like myself who's now 63 years old. Are you referring to me, Ray Singer? <laughs> no, you're 42. You're, you're not there. Too. It's similar. True. And there's a difference in having a theoretical application of science right. and actual experience. You know, when, when the doc and I went out to uh, California and we filmed a show and we met with real people experiencing real challenges in life. And I saw the pain in someone who felt like... Uh, they were isolated by the church and hurt by the church and hurt by people of faith and watched, you know, your theory. And I jumped on that because we wanted good TV. Uh, I jumped on it (laughs) and then I threw the deacon under the bus and it was amazing. And you know what, what I'm learning today though is even though at times we feel like this is, the, this is the doc's way of saying we're going too long, guys. We got to shut it yeah, down. We're over, we're over 30 shut minutes. Shut it down. But this will be the well, best podcast ever. So. That's right. <laughs> we, we, we kept all their attention. And uh, free well, bypass surgery for anybody who calls this number. So, you know what? What, what I think we're, we're, we're learning is that, listen, you can be good at things. You can be confident. You can be extroverted. But that doesn't mean you have a God complex. But I do think there are some certain celebrities that have had a God complex. And the NCAA tournament just ended recently. Yeah. So I have set up an NCAA bracket, ranked one through eight. And okay. we are going to take down... A different. <laughs> okay. We're going to go from the Elite Eight yeah. to the Final Four. Is my we're going to pick a That's what I want to know. Yeezy's my... number one. No, no. Uh, I, I'm picking the things. Oh, okay. You're saying Yeezy as in Kanye West? Is there how, do you even, how do you even know that he made the list? Because I'm just a genius. I'm just hoping I okay. didn't make the list. You did not make the list. So, do you guys want to start with the 1 8 or do we start with the 4 5? Let's start with the 1 8. The number one seed in the NCAA Doc. And the doc and the deacon God complex tournament is uh, Donald Trump. Uh, okay, yeah. The number eight seed. Yep. A Philadelphia guy who once did push-ups in his driveway. We're talking about how T- great he T- was. T- 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 was T- T- Terrell T- Owens. My, so the, my body looks like his body. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> in my fantasy. <laughs> yes. The docs do, so, Dr. Singer's doing okay. push-ups right now. I'm doing now. sit-ups right That's now. Right. <laughs> right. So in the Elite Eight, who wins the battle between... Donald Trump and Terrell Owens. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, DJT, man. Okay, so we're going to take yeah. Donald Trump. Whether you like Donald him or Trump, not, it doesn't matter. Even the people who like him, this isn't. I, a, I think we agree. It's not a political statement. Yeah, even if so you like him, the number two seed. Okay, is Kanye West. Oh, oh the Deacon <laughs> it. I love the Deacon so much. The number seven seed. Yeah, which I think is a pretty good competitor. Yeah, Oprah Winfrey. You know, and so what, how we're going to judge this okay. is we're each going to get a vote. The person that gets two votes goes through to the next round, and I am going to vote for Kanye West. I'm yeah. going to say Oprah's Oprah's ability to give and create 
and and ha- and help others. Uh, yeah, what she's been through. Position. Now, she's, yeah. I take okay. her off the list. Okay, so Kanye moves through. He's on the other side of Trump because he's yeah, the so two they, seat. They'll probably underneath in the finals. Who will go against Kanye? Yeah, in the go. final four. Come on, it is between Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Yep, and Doctor Oz. Ooh, see, I, I went to medical school with Mehmet. Here's the deal. Oh, you did? Mehmet is a friend of mine. Oh, my gosh. You know he sold out, right? I'm not going to comment. Here's oh, my gosh. Not only is Mehmet and I went to medical school together, but his father helped train me. Wow. Mustafa Oz. Have you drank a beer with Dr. Oz? I have. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've spent... He's, here's wow. he's here's the thing I, that I, I did. So I'm going to tell you. He's a great surgeon. i got to tell you, he was the real deal. Yeah. When we were in medical I'm school... I'm voting for Dr. Oz. As, as, as an artist? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. He, You're going Michael? No, nah, I'm going Michael. Because uh, I know, I know your... Mehmet in a way that other people don't know him. Okay. And, that's, and that may be true, right? Here's yeah. what I can tell you. He, he sincerely cares is he religious man he is a very religious wow. man he's from turkey and his parents were wonderful people and uh, he's a brilliant surgeon and he did believe in some things that are a little you know not standard medicine but i can't vote against my friend well that doesn't necessarily make him a narcissist right no, and, he's I, not a, and mj i mean dr oz loves himself some dr oz well he does and he, he enjoys the celebrity i mean i, I you know but yeah. he's, he's a friend i think mj's ability to uh to to make others better I mean, I would have been better on TV than Mehmet. Yeah, I'm better looking. Scratch it out. Put Dr. Singer. And if, you know what? if you're listening, Dr. Mehmet. Dr. Singer moves on to face Kanye. You know, one of, one of the things was, I, so I had some billboards when I was up in the Lehigh Valley, and, and, and Einstein's going to put some more up soon. And I was talking to Mehmet. You're getting a billboard. No billboard I'm getting another me. billboard. billboard. You're going to be on the billboard with me. <laughs> and, and, and Mehmet actually said in, in a moment of kindness, he says, Ray, well, just let them know that you t- you taught Dr. Oz. So oh, he was go. a year behind. Yeah. I'm still voting for him. Who are you voting for, Deacon? Who's mowing through? Oh, man. That's tough for me. I'm going to go MJJ. Uh, so Michael Jordan goes through. Okay. And Michael Jordan will be facing yeah, Kanye. Kanye. Kanye is going to win that. Yeah. Well, I know, I know. But we're not there yet. Yeah, so we're not there yet. So number, number Kanye versus Trump. Well, we don't we know. Should, I think we they're on the same political side. Because Trump <laughs> is going to go against the three and six seed, which has not happened yet. Oh, the okay. three seed for most narcissistic person ever is Jesus. I think that's amazing. <laughs> and number six is <laughs> Howard Stern. It's so it's him. Jesus <laughs> versus they're Howard both Stern. both Jewish, so I guess that's... <laughs> they, 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 are both, they are both Jewish. So who do we think is more narcissistic? Howard Stern... Or Jesus. Well, I'm going to say that Jesus' stake, like his actual claim to his, his actual lineage. Yeah, I'm the lineage. son of God? How, yes. do you not, how do you not beat Howard Stern? Well, his lineage makes him uh, less narcissistic and actually entitled to it. So I'm going to go Howard Stern is more narcissistic than Jesus. Not more powerful, more narcissistic. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going down this path being the only Jewish guy here. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I've basically bailed out on Dr. Oz, Jesus, and... Uh, so I'm going to vote for Howard Stern as well. And I'm going to give Jesus a pass. Yeah. Because I mean, how are you going to put Jesus in this category? I, I am. It's called Doc and the Deacon. The it's called Doc and the Deacon, of course. So There's not... There's one... Okay, Donald Trump there. versus Howard Stern. I think this is pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward. Howard Stern wins. <laughs> <laughs> So, Private I don't so, think so. Kanye versus Michael Jordan. This feels we pretty straightforward. I mean, it, was, it was set up. It was <clears throat> it was destined to be a match made in heaven. Trump versus number one Conway. versus number two. Yeezy and yeah. DJT. Well, you know what? I think we know who wins this. And it's not a political podcast. No, it isn't. And no. so we're not going to get into that. But I think what we've learned is that 
even if you're feeling like you have a God complex, even if you're feeling narcissistic, what you need to realize is think of others. Empathy. You need to realize to say sorry. We need to realize people are in other situations. And let's be honest, we need to realize sometimes God was similar to us. We were made in his vision as per the deacon. That's right. And his image. Yeah. Amen. And I think the question is, what if God was one of us? Well, I agree. I think we should wrap this up by singing our song one more time. We could wrap it up. What a God was one of us. Just that stop. was a former disc jockey, too. No, I like it. Little Ray, your main rock and bird. Oh! <laughs> I was just thinking, Take it, us they home. made God in, his, in, in his image. So I guess it was a short, chubby, um, balding heart surgeon. Okay. Except for I'm the one who looks like God, and I'm the, yeah, uh, like and I'm the scientific one pushing against. That's right. What if God was one of us? Just a slob like one of us. <laughs> Just a stranger on a bus Trying try to make his way home well, This was a fabulous evening Yeah, Two things you can count on The doc is in And the deacon is speaking Thank you so much to our producer Tucker Butler Music brought to you by our boy Franchise You can check us out on Instagram At Doc Deacon uh, Follow us on Facebook Doc and the Deacon Check out DocandTheDeacon.com and Follow Dr. Ray Singer at HeartLungDoc.com. Listen, you can follow him all the way down 422. Check out his billboards leading you right to Einstein Hospital. Einstein Medical Center, Montgomery. Holla. Listen, Heart Ambassador uh, Center. I got to tell you guys, this was fabulous. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, it's just a wonderful evening tonight and a lot of good messages. And it really does come down to uh, God, beliefs, faith. Charity, empathy. And the reason that we really don't have narcissistic personality disorder is because our wives keep us in check. Thanks, ladies. Thanks, ladies. Peace. Excellent brain trust to market and brand this. That's set in stone like the Ten Commandments. This show gonna be around for infinite years. I think we can all agree on ice cold beers. 100% authentic, you can't fake it. Often imitated, but never duplicated. So knowledgeable, take a lot of facts in. Now I'm coming to close it like a Roldis Chapman.